Welcome one and all to the way. Thank you so much for joining me today to hear God speak. Let's open up with prayer. Father God, thank you for this day. I thank you for giving us breath, for giving us life, for giving us another another opportunity to bring you glory. Father God, I ask that you soften our hearts so that we can be moved by your spirit and hear your voice. Bless each and every person who is listening and use me as your mouthpiece and move through me, Lord. I thank you, God. I praise you, God. And I ask you to lead this episode of the way today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so I just want to do a a recap of the past few weeks. We've talked about how God gives us rest. When we have no strength, when we're tired of striving and working, He gives us rest in Him. We've talked about how God never changes. His promises and word is true. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, we have stability in Him. God is a God of comfort. When our souls and our minds are weary and restless, we receive comfort through His Holy Spirit. God is our deliverer. He comes to our rescue when we call out to Him, and the enemy's plans will not succeed. Our Father is a healer. He can touch and mend and restore wholeness to us, give us purity and health to our minds, body, soul, and spirits. And last week we talked about how God is the lover of our souls. He loves us so much that he didn't need or want us to love him first because he has loved us since before we were formed in our mother's wombs. And as a result, he wants to discipline us. He wants us to grow and he wants to elevate us from the place of sin that we were born into to righteousness and holiness as his children. And each of these things, it just it just gives us another trait, another characteristic of who God is. And the big question is, why should I know God as all of these things? Why is this important? Well, let's look at the definition of know. It means to perceive directly, to have an understanding of, to recognize or discern the nature of, to be acquainted or familiar, to have experience of, to be aware of the truth or factuality of. And so if we know who God is, we have an understanding of who he is, we can recognize his nature that helps us to discern between spirits, that of the world and that of God. We are acquainted with his voice, so we won't be led astray by the enemy. And we have experience in who has God, who God has shown us that he can be. So if that is what knowing God is and what it can do for us, what is the opposite of knowing God? It is rejection of God. It is foolishness, and foolishness leads to death. Let's read Romans 1, verse 18 to 21. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, okay, that tells me that 
if I have rejected the knowledge and the truth of who God is, that I have a foolish heart and I'm darkened, but I mean, what does that really mean? Well, I mean, Proverbs tells us a lot of what that means. Proverbs is a great book of the Bible to read for wisdom. If you've never read that, I definitely suggest that you go ahead and dive right into it. And um, it talks about wisdom a lot and wisdom and how wisdom saves your life. So if you look at what it says of those who choose folly or foolishness or to remain ignorant or without the knowledge of God, let's look at Proverbs 9, 13 to 18. It says, the woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. So folly or foolishness, these people don't even know that they're ignorant, okay? She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. So if we are rejecting God, that means that we are choosing to follow foolishness. That means we are choosing to go in to places where only death is available to us. Now, when we do choose God, when we choose to know God, to have an understanding of him, to recognize him, that means that we are also choosing to fear God. Now, fearing God is not being afraid of him. I know some of us grew up in an old school church where they talked about the fear of God. And I was like, God, why do I have to be afraid of you? But it wasn't until I was older that I was taught that the fear of God is basically to be in awe and to have reverence or to have deep honor and respect for who he is so how does having fear the fear of the lord affect our lives well if choosing folly or foolishness leads to death and darkness then choosing to know god and to fear him leads to life proverbs 14 verse 27 says the fear of the lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death so Once we learn to fear the Lord, to be in awe and have honor and respect for him, you are running away. You're going in the opposite direction of death. So think of someone you greatly respect and honor. That can be your parents. Maybe you have an older sibling, a mentor, best friend, whoever it is. When they give you advice, that person, you heed that advice because their character is one that leads to confidence in what they say, right? You trust what they say, the way they live their lives, the way they carry themselves. You are confident that what they say is true, and so you choose to live by that. But when you fear, when you have fear of the Lord, it says it is a fountain of life. And it's a fountain of life because whatever he says, you have faith, which is a confident hope that what he says is true, and you live by that faith in him. Hebrews 11, 6 says, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. So if you choose to have fear of the Lord and choose to seek knowledge of who he is, you receive life. And when you have the faith in believing who he is and what he says, you choose to draw near to him. And when you draw near to God, the Bible says that he will draw near to you. And when you draw near to him... 
He reveals even more knowledge and gives you even more wisdom and instruction that will lead you further, that will lead you into a more abundant life. One of my favorite verses, I know I'm reading a lot of verses today, but I feel like it's really important to draw what the fear of the Lord and what knowledge of God will do for you from the Bible directly. Not a bunch of riddles or you know, little anecdotes, but I think it's just really important to hear this. So Proverbs 19.8 says, to acquire wisdom is to love yourself. I love that. If I acquire wisdom, that means I love myself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. So if, if I cherish understanding, right, that means I'm seeking the knowledge of God. I'm seeking knowledge of who God is. I'm seeking to hear what he says, what his voice sounds like, who, what, is the, what is his character, right? And that means that if I'm prospering, I'm prospering according to the plan that he has made for me. Because, I mean, Jeremiah 29 says that God knows the plans he has for us, right? plans to prosper us so if I'm prospering that means that the plan that he has for me he has revealed to me and so it becomes a cycle you fear God you receive life by faith you seek him then find him then he reveals more wisdom and you prosper and then you praise God with your testimony right and then you fear God again because of what he just did for you and then you receive life and etc. So it's just it's a it's a big it's a big circle, but it's a it's a beautiful circle because it brings you to life. And ultimately, knowledge of God and fear the fear of God is given to us, or we, we should have it in order to bring God glory. And we bring God glory by being a living testimony. You see, God created us. And it says that he has known us since we were in our mother's wombs, right? So that means he has written our stories out already. He is our author. He is our creator. So unlike, you know, a lot of the books that we read where the author is just writing the story and maybe he, the author writes a hero in to save us, God is the hero who steps in and saves the day. God is the author he is the creator of our story, but he is the one who delivers who delivers us from the tragedies that occur. He is the one who we rest in. He is the one who, when we have lost our strength, he restores us. He is the one who brings us comfort through his Holy Spirit. He heals us. He gives us promises, and his promises give us life. And he gives us this life because he loves us. And because he loves us, he cannot leave us dead in our sins like we've been. He wants to discipline us. He wants us to live, and he wants to have life to the full. He is a life-giving God, a God who raises us to new life in him, which points to Jesus being exactly to who he said he is in John 11, where he says that he is the resurrection and the life. So Jesus and Mary are speaking after Lazarus has just died. And Martha is um, Martha's upset because she's like, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Ever. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. So Martha believed that Jesus came into the world for us, knowing that we couldn't possibly reach him. 
So I ask you, just as Jesus asked Martha that day, do you believe this? Because if you do, you should live your life as one who does. And those who see us, those who watch us day in and day out, live a life full of Jesus and the abundance of life that he gives us in the knowledge that we receive and knowing who he is. They see us as a testimony. They hear our stories. And that gives God the glory. He receives the glory alone. So you may be asking, well, why can't I receive glory? Well, that's because you can't do any of this by yourself. Apart from Jesus, we cannot be fruitful in the things of God. We cannot be fruitful in producing the fruit of the Spirit if we don't have the Spirit. John 15, verse 4 to 8 says, Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather him, gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So, the benefit of us having the knowledge of God is that we receive life. The other benefit is that we produce fruit. But we cannot produce that fruit alone. We cannot produce that fruit, period, by ourselves. It just just doesn't happen. And that is why God alone deserves all the glory. You you get benefits, but all the glory goes to him. You also shouldn't receive the glory because you can't deliver yourself. I mean, we try day in and day out. We strive, we strategize, we're planning, we're hustling, we're doing all this stuff. But the Bible says in Proverbs 19.21 that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. You didn't even know that you needed a savior. In fact, God provided one for us before we even got, like, before we even got to this planet, a lot of us at this point in time, because, I mean, none of us were alive 2,000 years ago, right? God provided a savior for us before we even knew that we would have needed one. That's how much he loved us. Before you even knew how to love yourself, he loved you. Because we were headed for death, but he wants us to live. And he doesn't want us to work for our salvation. All he wants us to do is to believe, have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did, and receive his grace. Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 10 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's wrath, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us 
as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we can't receive that glory because all we did was believe and God did the rest of it. Jesus did the work on the cross. He didn't have to do it, but he did it because he didn't want to leave us dead in our sins. You may also be asking, well, what about those people over there who are always, people help me every day, like why can't they receive the glory? So I'm not talking about people not receiving, you know, accolades or thanks or being grateful. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about glory. So here's an example. I'm sure we all have somebody that we put on a pedestal. It can be a, a pastor. It can be a friend. It can be a mentor, whoever it is, right? We put them on a pedestal because they seem so great, so wonderful. And then they fall short, which everybody does because nobody can meet and reach every single every single one of our expectation and desires so when that happens we demonize them we cancel them we go ghost on them we ridicule them and we become bitter so basically we've made an idol out of these people but these people like all people will fail why <laughs> because they are not god god will never fall short you see god in fact, was so perfect that he could come down to earth in the form of a man, walk among us, live everything that we have lived, and still be sinless, and then turn around and take on our punishment and save us. God never falls short. That's why people cannot receive the glory, because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. But there is a person that we can put on a pedestal and they will never fall short. And that is Jesus Christ. See, God has given each and every single one of us a plan and a purpose on this, on this earth. Our main purpose is to bring glory to God. That is our main purpose. We all have... We all have different uh, personalities. The way we think is different. You know, we walk different. But at the end of the day, we were all created. Even though we were all different, we were all created in the image of God. There is unity there. And we need this because it gives us hope. It gives us hope that God can use anybody. That God can save anybody. That he can love anybody. He can change anybody. So what, I mean, you say, I'm saying purpose. What is the definition of purpose? Purpose is something that is set up as an object or an end to be attained. If you want some, a little bit more clarity, purpose is basically an aim, an ambition, um, a dream, a goal, an end, the idea, the intent, the mark, the objective, the target. That purpose is to bring glory to God. And if all of us can bring glory to God, no matter where we've been, I think that's I mean, that means that I, I shouldn't be afraid that God can use me. That means that he can, you know, use the least of, least of us to do and accomplish what he has set out to do on this earth. Think about King David, okay? So in 1 Samuel 16, 
um, 5 to 13, uh, it, Samuel comes to David's house, right, and asks Jesse, his father, to bring on his sons because he's going to anoint the next king after King Saul because he done failed. Now, David was despised by his father. I don't care what nobody got to say because his father didn't even think to bring him along and present him to Samuel as a potential king. And Samuel's going down the line and God is like, nope, not this one, not this one, not that one. And when he's done, Samuel's like, Jesse, you don't have any other, you don't have any other kids. And he's like, oh, there's David. I mean, he's in the field or whatever, but and Samuel's like, okay, well go get him. We're not going to sit down and eat until we do this. And as soon as he shows up, God says he's the next king. So David went from being a shepherd who knew God in the field. And then God went and used him to destroy Goliath. He delivered him. And as a result of destroying Goliath, he brought God glory. But God, uh, David was also a murderer and an adulterer. I mean, but yet he was known as a man after God's own heart. So if God can use David, who is a murderer and an adulterer, he can use me. Okay, he can use me, he can use you, he can use any of us. And you may be asking, well, how is it possible that we're all so different and we're all given a purpose to bring God glory and and, um, and, and, and how, how do we do that? Well... I think uh, there, there's, a, there's a cycle for this, just as there was a cycle before for the fear of God and prosperity in life. There's also a, a, another cycle. So when we seek God, we usually do that by prayer or by reading his word. And through that, God gives us revelation. So you learn who God is by revelation when you know who God is. And when you know who God is, you know who you are. So if God is my deliverer, then that means I'm delivered. If God is my healer, then that means I'm healed. If God is my lover, therefore I am loved. And when you have a revelation of who God is, that brings you into a new paradigm. And that sounds like a big fancy word, but it literally only means, paradigm only means example or pattern. That's it. So so revelation brings you into a new pattern, a new thought pattern, okay? It brings you a new example to your mind. You are elevated. You are transformed. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12 too. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's a new paradigm. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing. So when you know who God is, you know who you are, which is the revelation. And that shifts your mind into a new paradigm, which means that your mind is transformed and not like this world, but becoming more Christ-like. And that means that your heart posture is changing. And that brings us back to the fear of the Lord. So if your heart posture is changing, that means you are learning to fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's in Proverbs 1, 7. It says, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And we already know that these fools are leading to death, right? Proverbs 9, 10 also says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So good judgment means walking according to his will. The will of God for you is to have a hope and a future in Jeremiah 23, 29, 11, right? And that hope and a future is 
also for you to have life abundantly on this earth as you will in heaven. John 10, 10, Jesus tells us that the thief, which is the devil, only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that I may that, that you may have life and have it abundantly. And when we have a full and abundant life here on earth, full of his peace, full of his healing, full of his deliverance, full of his rest, full of his comfort on this earth, and others see that, that brings God glory. So if I'm in trouble and I need to be delivered, because I know God is a deliverer, I call on him. And now I know myself as a, as delivered. That is my mindset. My, my mind has been transformed. I am now in a new paradigm because I know him in a new way. Okay. And that means that I can no longer be defeated by the enemy. I'm just, my whole mind is it's just shifted. I live victoriously now. So now I praise God. I praise God because I have a fear of the Lord. I am in awe and I have reverence for who he is. And when that happens, through my testimony to others, I bring him glory. That means that I am not going to go back to the place where I was to make the same decisions and walk the same or think the same way. Because of the wisdom I have gained from those experiences, therefore I now have better judgment and I can walk according to his will. And his will for me is to live life to the full as he came to this earth to accomplish. And he did that when he gave his life through his death on the cross. And when others see that confident hope and future that I have because of his deliverance, I bring glory to his name and now I am fruitful. How am I fruitful? Well, I have the fruit of the spirit. I'm producing the fruit of the spirit because I have stayed apart apart with him. I have remained in him, in his word, in prayer. So now I'm, maybe I'm a little gentler with those I see experiencing the same things that I have. Maybe I have better self-control because God has delivered me from those foolish mistakes and the person that I've been in the past. And now others see that, see that change. They ask me, what happened to you, Jasmine? Like, you used to be this way and you seem to have this new, like, you know, pep in your step. You seem to be full of this joy that you didn't have before. So I tell them what happened. But I tell them it wasn't anything I did. It was because I called in the name of the Lord and I only learned to call on his name because I saw somebody else who told me that he was a deliverer. And when I came to the knowledge, when I came to know who God was as a deliverer for myself, I had to try it. And now that I know, I can tell you who he is too. So our walk as Christians is not for us to be perfect. Yes, there are benefits to having Christ. But everything is to give God glory. Everything is to point back to Jesus and say that he did it for me. I didn't do it myself. God did it. He is the one who has saved my soul. He is the one who has renewed my life. He is the one who has given me joy, who has given me peace, who has saved me from sin. Everything that you want out of life to be rich, to be acclaimed, to be renowned in this world, that's, that's, not, what, that's not what being a Christian is for. Being a Christian is hard. Because you have to have faith in God. And that means that we're not holding on to who we are as much. We're not. But we're putting it all in. We're putting it all, all, all of our trust in God. We need to point others to who God is. And when you have good news, 
you don't want to keep that to yourself. If somebody says, oh, girl, that's a cute shirt. I'm, I mean, I'm going to say thank you. But I'm like, yeah, I got it from Marshall's. It was like $5, but before it was $20. You better go before, you know, they, they sell out. Same thing with Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about a sale. You know, it's not the same thing. It's even better. It's even better news. It's great news. It's the good news. It's the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus came. And guess what? You don't have to keep living the same. You don't have to live a life of fear. You don't have to be trapped. You don't have to be in a cycle that you can't get out of. You don't have to be depressed. There is a God who will save you. There is a God who loves you. There is a God who can do a good work, who will start a good work, and he will continue until it is finished. That is why we are here. That is the glory that we bring to God when we speak about who he is. When we know who he is, we know who to call on. Our minds change. Our hearts change. Our actions and habits change. The way we walk change. The way we talk change. And other people see that. And it's a, that's the cycle. The cycle is to go out and make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 to 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. So just know that when you go and tell somebody, you don't have to be afraid. Don't think that, I mean, yeah, people might ridicule you, but I mean, at the end of the day, who cares? I mean, I got life. What do you got? I want you to have that too, but don't be afraid because God says that he'll be with you throughout it all. He, be, he will be with you and he will strengthen you through it all. And as long as you are walking in his good and perfect will, as long as you are not conformed to the patterns and customs of this world, as long as you are transformed by receiving the knowledge of who he is and knowing who to call on, then you are bringing him glory. If you don't know this God, this life-changing God, and you want to know him, I ask that you pray this prayer with me right now. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. I thank you because you have done the work. I thank you because you love me and you are transforming and renewing my mind and my heart. Father God, please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me and purify me. I receive your Holy Spirit. And I thank you because I believe what you have done on the cross for me. I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed this prayer, I thank God. I thank God because that means that I have done what God has asked me to do and that means that you can go and do what God has asked you to do now and you can share this with your family with your friends the good news of who God is so that they can come to the saving knowledge to have life to the full of who God is let's close in a word of prayer Lord I thank you for this day I thank you for each and every person who will listen to this podcast I thank you God that you do not leave us the same. I thank you, God, that you have not let us stay dead in our sins, oh God, but you give us life. I thank you, God, because we get to know who you are, even though you already know who we are. Lord, I pray that you bless each and every person listening. Bless their families, bless their homes, bless their jobs, bless whatever situation they are in, oh Father God. And I pray that you move mightily so that people can see who you are, Lord. I pray that you move in a way where people cannot ignore the transformation. 
that you are starting and that it brings others closer to you. I praise you, God. I thank you, Lord. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Way. Thank you. Because I know that God is doing a work in you just like he's doing in me. If you need prayer, if you want to talk, if you want me to send you a Bible, if you, just, if you have questions, whatever it is, you can send me an email. My email is theway.twenty, the word, 20, the number, at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-A-Y dot T-W-E-N-T-Y two zero at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. I love you and have a blessed week.